Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the StarCast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. On the show this week, we will be discussing new console launches, the PlayStation meeting, game refunds and televised televised esports as well as playing around of what the wiki everyone's favorite podcast game i am your host jake barras and on the show today i am joined by my fellow gamers ewan hello and seamus yo how are we uh going this week lads feeling uh, right feeling i ready? think we've all come to the consensus that it's just just that time of year where everyone's just really tired it's just kind of mid mid-year hump day kind of We've got another, that, you know, another four it's months like the together. It's Wednesday of the year. You know what I mean? The Wednesday of the year. I love it. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Bloody August. Hump hump month. But yeah. you know what I'm, I'm excited about? Like, we're getting really close to the best time of year for video games. So That's true. Already, already, like, the games releasing this week are getting more and more exciting. So I'm looking forward to having some more games to play. Well, speaking of games to play, Ewan, did you want to start off with what you've been playing in the last week? Uh, what have I been playing? Good question. Um, I, I played a little bit more of uh, Titanfall in its second beta uh, weekend. Yes. Same, same. Uh, including like the uh, the new the new map, uh, and I was playing the sort of the pilot to be pilots game mode that I didn't try last weekend. Uh, and I'm enjoying it. I'm getting into that game a bit more. Uh, I still have hold out a lot of hope despite some of the criticism that was given its way. Um, so I'm looking forward to that eventually being released. Um, I was just playing a bit of Mirror's Edge Catalyst, which obviously came out back in May, I think, so Whoa. some time ago now. I forgot um, that game came out. But, uh, oh, it might have been March. It might have been even earlier than that. I don't know. But um, it's, uh, I'm, it's all right. Like, I was a big Mirror's Edge fan. Um, it has these instances of forced combat, which I find really annoying because the first game wasn't like that at all. Um, and the open world is, is neat, but I find myself just retreading the same path, uh, quite constantly. So I don't know if the open world formula really does it for me. I, I think I'd prefer it just staying sort of down a linear sort of route. Um, but it's a kind of fun game. I can sort of play mindlessly and have a podcast on in the background or listen to some music or whatever. So it's kind of a nice passive game to play. Yeah, nice. Seamus, <laughs> what about you? That, actually that was sounds, really Australian. <laughs> that was very different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that actually sounds that actually sounds really good. I've actually been meaning to play it, and then I just completely forgot about it when it came out, and I just haven't had the chance. So that's just another game to add to my really, really big list of games to play. But I, I've been mm. playing some similar ones uh, to what you were playing last week, Jake. I had a bit of a listen. And one game, oh, in, yeah. one game I in can't particular, even remember. <laughs> one game in particular was uh, Tricky Towers. Oh yes. Oh, and I love, I love Tricky Towers. It's, uh, it's. I was so surprised because so many people were complaining about this month's uh, PlayStation Plus games, and uh, I didn't really know them, and everyone was like just not that optimistic about saying it was one of the worst months. And I was like, well, let's just hold on a minute and give it a try. And then a couple of my friends were like man, we're going to play this game. I was like, what is it, Tricky Towers? And I'm like, what is it? And it's like, Tetris. I'm like, okay, but better. And it's oh, it's so much fun, especially with friends on the couch together in the same room. There's just so much screaming and shouting, and it's <laughs> it's just really fun. It just reminds me of, like, hashtag IDARP and Rocket League, just something that's, like, really simple, but just really fun and great for couch mm. co-op. Are yeah. you normally a big Tetris fan? Yeah, although I, I wouldn't say I've played much Tetris in recent years. This, I guess this has reinvigorated my love for it with having the 3D physics and the different game modes. I love race. Yep. Race is so much fun. Like, it always drives everyone to go crazy and do really silly towers. Like, oh, you and have you had a chance to play it yet? <laughs> have, uh, not, no, 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 no. I've, uh, I've got it saved to my library, so I made sure I secured it, but uh, I've not had a chance to play it yet, no. We should all jump on and have a go Definitely. with each other, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's got kind of couch co-op. Like, uh, it kind of upsets me that that, has, as a genre, has kind of died down a little bit. Um, but there's kind of been a bit of a resurgence thanks to indie games. So I appreciate that a great deal. Mm. Yeah, it's, re- it's been really, really uh, good. Like like I said, with hashtag IDUP, and Rocket League was probably one of my favorite games of last year like it was i just put so many hours into it with friends like yeah it like you said you it's great to see so many co-op games by indies mm-hmm. i agree um well myself i will actually say that i don't think i've literally played anything 
since last week. Wow. Yeah. Um, not even like a mobile <laughs> game. Yeah, I've been super busy. Had a few videos and projects to edit and whatnot. So I just haven't had time for fun. All work and no play. Uh, <laughs> no so, time for fun. No. How oh, God. Adult life. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Well, let's have a look at what uh, all of you guys listening can have fun with this week and what games are releasing. So we have uh, a big one. I know plenty of people I've heard talk about this one releasing. World of Warcraft Legion out on PC. As of right now, you can go delve into that. It is an expansion for World of Warcraft. So if you are a massive fan, that is there to go. Uh, we also have God Eater 2 Rage Burst on the Vita. Oh, my God, Ewan. What? Another Vita game? <laughs> yes. Are you oh, yes. Amazing. excited a... about this? I can't believe this is, this is exclusively Vita. That's weird. I, wow. I'm going to have to check this out. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't kind of look like my kind of game based on the trailer that I'm kind of skimming through now. Uh, mm. It looks like quite sort of uh, heavy RPG, which is... Not what I kind of need right now, I guess, but um, True. it's uh, I appreciate the fact that it's a Vita only game. Good, good job. Yeah, I appreciate. Well, considering, <laughs> considering best, like best most of the most of the team like bought a Vita, if not had a massive Vita talk in this week's like chat. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was great. Oh, it, was fa- it. it was fantastic. Yeah, I was challenging Shannon, uh, perhaps irresponsibly, for the uh, title of the King of Vita Champion. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just campaigning to be uh, the biggest Vita fan, but you know he uh, he's pretty he's pretty up there too. It's an ongoing battle, Sorry, I'm Shannon. sure. One of you will deem yourself worthy. Um, yeah. We also have Attack on Titan: Wings of Freedom on PS4 and Xbox One available right now. I'm pretty sure Sarah did a review on this. Mm-hmm. It was Sarah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. So it if was... you guys are interested, you can hit up the website and read what she thinks uh on there yeah yeah it looked like a cool uh, game we also just oh, a little yeah, it, go, it looked like a lot of fun like the gameplay looked actually pretty good for what like for there's been a lot of attack on Titan games and most of them look pretty shocking honestly uh, but and this one the mm. gameplay looks pretty good but just a bit repetitive like i think sarah talked about in her review yeah yeah, yeah. go read it if you get definitely interested um, we also have Hue. No, not the Philips light bulbs, but indeed a game on <laughs> PS4, Xbox One, Vita, and PC. Oh, this is a really uh, available cool game. now. Yeah, this looks really cool. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely want to check this out. I think I saw this being demoed uh, in GDC or during GDC, um, and just the mechanics of the game look really neat. It's kind of got like a limbo-like art style. It's mm. obviously drawn a lot of inspiration from that, um, but the way that it uses like color switching to sort of introduce um, platforming mechanics looks really neat. Uh, and again, cool. another game that you can play on your Vita, so props to them. <laughs> You're really you... gunning for that title, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big time. That's so good. Uh, we also have the Witcher 3 Game of the Year edition for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So if you loved the game the first time round, why don't not pick it up again with this edition? Um, comes with all the DLCs and stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hence why, so. yeah, 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 I'm pretty, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, hence why it's like the game of, games of the year, well, game of the year edition, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> worthy of that title as yeah. well. Not like some <laughs> other games that slap on game of the year edition, and I'm like, <laughs> who gave this game game of the year? The Witcher though was yeah, top notch game. Oh, it was yeah. my personal favorite game last year, so they are uh, definitely worthy 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 okay we also have strike vector x ex x i'm gonna say x for the ps4 uh, available now i have not watched the trailer but it looks like some kind of combat flight thing yeah anyone watched it Uh, i haven't had a chance it's not a big planes guy (laughs) let's yeah well let's just say that it's a it's a plane simulator guy and if it's if it's not then don't get up us because we actually haven't watched what it is um, we also have Resident Evil 4 on PS4, Xbox One, uh, which I know a lot of people are very, very keen for. Yeah, this is the HD remake, right? Mm. Or remaster, I should say, sorry. Yes, as far as I knew. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of Resident Evil fans out there, I'm sure. Um, Seamus, uh, as the uh, professional farmer of the group, <laughs> I'm sure you are keen for professional farmer 2017 oh, for yeah. PS4 and Xbox One. Oh yeah, with without a doubt, I can't wait to relive 
all those magical moments um, back home. In... <laughs> <laughs> just, just uh, yeah. secretly work for PR for professional farmer. Twenty seventeen. You can tell by the. Yeah, you can tell by the. magical farming moments. <laughs> back home. Back home. Didn't this already come out, or was this a, like a previous year edition, or was it? They, yeah, apparently they release professional farmer games every year. That's weird. Maybe it's not me. I don't know. I haven't played it. There's an audience, man. Whatever floats your boat. If it's planes or if it's farms, go for it. Go crazy. There's a game for you. And uh, last but not least, we have Metroid Prime Federation for DS. That is out Saturday uh, if you want to grab that as well. I also want to make an honorable mention to uh, a game that we only found out came out and it might not be online very soon so that was no mario sky oh yes <laughs> you and you had a chance to play that a little bit what did you uh, think? so i Give played like all of two minutes of it uh earlier today because it was just all the time i could sneak on it but yeah it, it's super cool so it kind of starts off as your typical sort of mario platformer like the character is evidently mario it's unashamedly mario obviously his name is in the title um and uh there are goombas and stuff bouncing around and you kind of progress through the level and at the end it's like well princess peach is on a different planet and you're like what and you hit x (laughs) and then you like spawn in a ship uh and you can just fly vertically upwards uh and you can kind of like have a mini map in the corner with like little dots on it uh, and if you travel to those dot, it's another planet. So you're basically like, yeah, searching the universe for Princess Peach. <laughs> um, and it keeps kind of tabs on like how many Goombas you squish and how many planets you visit. So uh, I guess it's kind of, I, I don't I didn't get to the point where I ran out of lives, but I don't think, I think like it resets each time. So you're sort of given an attempt to go and explore the world since you find Princess Peach, I guess. Um, but super cool, like. Yeah, but I don't expect it to be up long because Nintendo are uh, pretty quick to shut these things down, as we mm. saw with Pokemon Uranium a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, if you've got a PC, quickly download this while you can. Yeah, yeah. So if you want uh, a different take on No Man's Sky and have that Mario theme, definitely jump on our website. The download link is there, but, yeah, it will probably not be up very long. But very cool that someone actually did that. Yeah. Um, people just have too, of dedication. Much too much time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, cool. Well, let's get into the topics of this week, shall we? Sounds Sounds good. good. Uh, Ewan, did you want to kick things off with the listener topic that we had in? Ah, sure. Yeah. So, uh, friend of the show at mad Mikey over on Twitter. Um, I believe I have to pronounce his name mad Mikey. Like, so, (laughs) um, he writes in, uh, following our conversation about Konami and Metal Gear Survive last week. Um, he tweeted in wanting to know what we thought about Silent Hills and why Konami would want to go back to Metal Gear when there obviously seems to be a lot of hype and, and demand for a new Silent Hills game. So I thought that was a good question to throw into the show. I see what you guys thought. Um, see what you thought Konami's reasoning might be for this decision. Um, Seamus, I don't know if you, you've got an opinion on on this, obviously, you weren't uh, here for the last episode when we were discussing Metal Gear Survive, but do you think it would have been wiser for Konami to do a Silent Hills game instead? Yes. Well, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it, it dep- End of conversation. <laughs> it depends more on, yeah, honestly, more on the content of the game and how good it is, honestly, because Metal Gear Survive, although it kind of has an interesting premise. I'm not a big fan of watching the trailer. Like, it doesn't interest me at all, and it doesn't seem very Metal Geary. So that that was kind of weird. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if they did the Silent Hills game, and it was similar in the sense that it was like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea, but it's not really Silent Hills, I probably won't be interested again. So it's the fact that... I, I don't know. I feel like if they just came out with a Silent Hills right now, so many people are still bitter about the last one sort of being cancelled and everything. So I don't know if it'll turn out well for them as a PR move. I'm not really that excited for anything Konami's doing at the moment, personally. What what do you guys think? Uh, Yeah, so I'm kind of like in agreement with you. I just feel like there's less to screw up with uh, (laughs) by doing Silent Hills. Like uh, Metal Gear Survive has not kind of been received well with fans it doesn't look like what it should really 
um, and it just seems just out of control. Um, I feel like it was quite ambitious of them immediately after Kojima's departure to go into the franchise that was so near to him. Uh, Silent Hills is a bit more removed, so I feel like it would have been a bit easier. There been a little less pressure and expectations, and people would have naturally responded to it better because it was assumed cancelled, uh, so or was confirmed cancelled. So I don't know. I think Silent Hills, from like a PR point of view, would have been a wiser move for them. Um, that being said, you can know, like Metal Gear makes sense for them because it is like such a tried and tested brand. It's such a tried and tested franchise. Uh, so from like a financial point of view, I think that makes a lot of sense for them to to do that. Um, and also, like they would have had to have addressed Metal Gear like sooner rather than later. So I guess getting out of the way now isn't such a bad thing. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of with Mad Mikey on this one that. Like Silent Hills, I'd have loved to have seen that reappear, and I think it probably would have gone down better with fans. Yeah, I think I think Metal Gear is just like a safe move by them. They've done it before. They kind of know that the franchise is loved, and there's just a lot more risk if they do a uh, Silent Hills and how's it will be uh, taken. But mm. yeah. Good question, though, Mad Mikey. Mm, yeah, Love the we input, find out. like always. I mean, it's like anything, though. Like, I hope these games turn out to be good. Like, obviously, we want to play oh, good yeah, games. Of course. But, yeah, like, you, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think uh, he's probably made a good call there. Silent Hills probably should have been the way to go. Mm. Well, thank you, Mad Mikey, <laughs> for uh, giving your question to us this week. If you guys want to submit any questions or if you have anything to ask please hit us up at press start au on the twitters on our facebooks as well and uh yeah go nuts ask us whatever you want we will probably answer it probably, uh, probably. we'll try <laughs> we'll try yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll try our best and that's all that matters don't ask us any maths questions because we're not gonna be able to answer those or i for one aren't gonna be yeah how I are you guys either. maths are you guys good with maths no i do media no, no? similar to you you <laughs> All right, okay, all right. We're all on the same page there. <laughs> but, like, but like we said, we will try. And we'll that's, try. That's the most important thing. Participation yeah, medals counts. for everyone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get into the uh, the main topics for the podcast, though. So starting off with this little one, guys. What is the secret to launching a new console? This, so this kind of question comes about because Nintendo, uh, Nintendo of America's? Yeah, it, Nintendo it, oh, of America. Of Nintendo right, yeah. America. No, I was like that one. Yeah, okay. The <laughs> the president of Nintendo of America, uh, Reggie. What is it? Phil's aim. Phil aim. I Phil think. Aim. Phil Phil aim. Let's just call his him Reg. No one yeah. ever uses his last name. Reggie. It's always just yeah, Reggie. Yeah. If you say Reggie from Nintendo, people immediately know who you mean. Reggie from Nintendo <laughs> has discussed the future of Nintendo with Alista Daily. In regard to Nintendo NX, he said, one of the things that we have to do better when we launch the NX, we have to do a better job communicating the positioning for the product. We have to do a better job helping people to understand its uniqueness and what that means for the game playing experience. And we have to do a better job from a software planning standpoint to have the continuous beat of growth great beat of great is that what he said can do his beat of great new games i just I'm... copied and pasted shannon's writing <laughs> if it's no good just play oh, shannon. <laughs> i gotta stop being so mean to shannon uh, seriously i uh... again shannon <laughs> oh no i like continuous beat of great new games okay yeah i get what he means okay there are that are motivating more and more people to pick up the hardware and more and more people to pick up the software. Those are the critical lessons. And as I verbalize them, they're really traditional lessons within the industry. You have to make sure people understand the concept. You have to make sure you've got a great library of games. And when you do that, you tend to do well. So question to you guys and Seamus, we might start with you. What do you reckon the trick to a successful uh, console launch is? Well, I was actually talking to Shannon about this a bit just the other day, and we were sort of talking about the Wii U's launch and where they went, where Nintendo went wrong with that. And there's there's a couple of pretty easy ones. 
um, that Shannon and I thought were pretty obvious. One, the name, definitely making sure people understand that it's a separate <laughs> entity um, and not an accessory because the problem, especially, I don't want to hate on the Wii U too much and I, I do a lot of time, but I'm, I'm going to do it here. Uh, <laughs> Is that so many people were so confused, including some of my closest friends who are massive Nintendo fans, when they heard about the Wii U, they were like, so is that an accessory? Like, is that just something else I use with my Wii, like a new controller? Like, people were really, really confused. Uh. And regardless of how good your marketing is, like, just the fact that that name was so similar, it confused a lot of people. So, you know, PlayStation 3... PlayStation 4, it's it's a good it's a good break, you know, it's a big difference. Um, but if you look at what Sony did, Sony marketed and launched the PlayStation 4 pretty much perfectly in my mind. And it's so strange because during the PlayStation 3 era, their marketing was really bad and it ended up with a lot of the exclusives not selling very well. But once they announced the PS4, they just their their marketing was just so on point. It was just working with developers, mm. showing lots of games, indie games as well, because that's something that everyone is really interested in it. Well, at least it seems like it at the moment. It's just that's where the market, games market really is and taking a big interest in that in AAA titles and so getting a lot of third parties. It's like, it's a lots of, it's lots of different elements combining together and Sony just somehow managed to, even though in the first, I'd say even 18 months, there wasn't a lot of great exclusives or must-buy games that came out in the, in the PlayStation 4's life. But they just marketed it so well that it was just a must-have console that you'd have to get, not only for those indies or general AAAs, but for COD and for Destiny and everything. But marketing is definitely a really, really big point. Yeah, I think, uh, like, on that note, I think what Sony did really well, especially with the PS4 launch, is the fact that, like, they not only marketed the hardware really well, but they also marketed, like, the community aspect really well mm, as well. Yeah. It's like, cool, here's a console. This is, you know, the new specs of it, but this is what it's going to do for you as a gamer. Like, you know, yeah. it, it didn't need, like, uh, a massive, like, uh, range of, games on launch or anything it's kind of that uh, that element of we could already picture how we would be gaming in t uh, like uh, later on down the track because of how they kind of put it all together and gave it to us in all their marketing campaigns whereas yeah the the wii u it was just like oh cool here's a new console ah but like what what does that do for me as a gamer what new experience will i have like or how how will that mean i interact with others so yeah yeah, and the problem with the Wii U too is that it was matching the kind of generation we had. Like it was just becoming on par with like the PS3 and Xbox 360, mm. and it didn't really bring anything new to the table. Like you know, obviously it brought the gamepad, but not a huge amount of people had interest in that as a as a peripheral or as a controller. Um, I think what worked so well about the PS4 and why the PS4 is now so successful. Uh, and this is a conversation, actually, that I think uh, Mad Mike has been asking us to have in the, in the past <laughs> as well. Um, but uh, I think what what happened with them is that they just timed everything quite right. Um, obviously, Xbox were making things mistake, making some mistakes. They were arguably ahead of their time. But people were ready for a new console. They were ready for the next generation. And Sony gave that to them without doing anything that was radically different or kind of turned players away. It was there for the gamers. Sure, it had entertainment, but the focus was on the gamers. And little was changing yeah. that would interrupt that sort of gameplay experience for them. Um, so with the NX, I think people are ready for a new Nintendo console, but they are ready for a particular Nintendo console. So I think... Uh, what Reggie says is is quite true. I think they absolutely need to have a good roster um, of games. That's a very important thing. Uh, and they need to get the communications right. Um, but yeah, more importantly, they need to get the console right. They need to understand what players want. Um, they don't want kind of complicated novelty peripherals. They want something that's going to play games like they always did. They want to touch into that nostalgia of, of Nintendo. Um Anything that kind of inhibits that immersion, I think, for the sake of, you know, a cool screen in the middle of your controller, I think is running a risk. Um, it's not to say they can't do that, but they certainly have to market it correctly. Uh, and we'll get into this in a second, but I think this kind of brings up or opens up a whole new can of worms with the uh, PlayStation meeting impending. 
um, because I don't know if people are ready for the next generation yet. So once again, you've got to get communication right on that on that on that point. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think you guys. I think re- oh, sorry. Yeah, go, Shamus. I think you guys are really on point, both of you, like Jake, of like the, how they have to offer something new, and that's what Sony did. And then you and what you're saying, but offering something new, but not too big of a jump, something that's accessible and easy to understand. And the, the PlayStation Four really was that. So yeah, I think you guys both touched it on re- on it really well. Yeah, it's it's not so much about like not uh, getting innovative. Um, I'm all for kind of progress like i think you know i'm a huge fan of vr but vr is this kind of like strange new concept that we're largely unfamiliar with like Mm. i don't think gaming should always be just like the standard controller in front of a tv screen i'm all i'm all for changes being made uh, in in regards to how we interact games or you know etc etc um but you've got to get the communication right and you've also got to get the timing right and you've got to have the content there to support it um otherwise yeah things just won't won't work out i feel yeah i think it's a good chance for nintendo to you know really focus on the things that we all love about them but also you know the the nx really brings about a new a new era for them they can try something new in terms of you know how they market it or you know how they want to present it um which i think is quite exciting i really hope they take the opportunity to really kind of uh deep dive into what makes them so great and why you know they were the top-notch console back in the day and try and bring that home again but i guess we'll find out i'm very excited yeah. to see yeah i'm very yeah excited. I'm like i think sorry go on Travis. oh yeah i was just saying like I'm, I'm i'm very excited to see what they do next and it's just one thing i always think about in particular with the wii u is that if it come out if it came out just two years earlier when tablets were really a new thing and everyone was excited about them i feel like the tab like the tablet controller would really hit off with people but it felt like it just came at the end of it and so just wasn't quite there but in regards to nx i'm just super keen to see what nintendo are going to do next because they do generally revolutionize the industry and I'm, I'm so i'm just i'm pretty excited as well definitely yeah, I, I, I still think that it goes back to a content problem with the Wii U, though. Like, I think the gamepad, uh, it had um, good uses. Like, it was a, is it Miiverse or something like that? Uh, the kind of game centric, all centered around me. So it's like the mini game where you can run around the map and one person uses the gamepad and they've got to try and, like, catch the other player. Oh, oh Nintendo yeah. you, know, yeah. you know that one? I forget yeah. what it's called. Um, but there were, like, really clever uses for it. And we never got that Zelda game where the inventory was on the gamepad screen or anything like that. Like, we didn't get the kind of things I think it was intended for. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think I think content really makes a big difference. And it's the argument I always go back to with VR as well, that, like, the deal breaker for VR will be if it doesn't have the kind of, you know, AAA kind of, fully fleshed out games that people want like tech demos are only going to carry that platform so far um so yeah like i i think honestly for the nx kind of launch i want to see obviously like a new mario probably like a mario galaxy um and then you know like a, a 2d classic style metroid game or something like that um if you come out of the gates blazing with some like a really solid lineup or a real solid plan for the lineup, obviously we've got Zelda there as well. Um, I think that'll make the difference. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of console launches, by the time the next podcast will be published, the PlayStation meeting will be upon us. So, uh, you know, in this episode, let's take the time and the opportunity to share our predictions for the event. So just to clarify, September 7th is when this event will be, although for us it will be, will it be September 7th? It'll be 8th. Eight. About, I checked this out, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, so September 8th, 5 a.m. Get your alarm set, (laughs) your popcorn ready. (laughs) And I think it's a couple of hours earlier if you want to catch the Apple event as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. what a morning. What a morning. Mm, Um, Anyway, what do you guys think uh, is going to unfold at this event? So, like, specifically, what do you think will be announced? Do you reckon we'll see the Neo? Do you reckon we'll see the Slim? Any chance of maybe seeing like the PS Vita Trinity or wherever they would call it? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I would love to see a PlayStation Portable of some kind. Uh, a Vita 2 would be incredible, but I highly doubt that's going to happen. Um, I'm 
I absolutely believe the rumors about the PS4 Slim to be true. So I think we will uh, definitely see that. Um, but the focus, I think, will be on the PS4 Neo, uh, detailing what that is, um, yeah. uh, giving us a, a first look at it. But I don't suspect we will see that this year. I don't. I don't know. Do you um, think it will look like that Big Mac of a of a PS4? I really no, I yeah. So like some artistic <laughs> impressions came out just in the last couple of days of basically like a PS4 Slim that we kind of saw leaked, uh, stacked on top of another PS4 Slim, uh, suggesting that's what the Neo was going to look like. I don't think it'll look anything like <laughs> I, that. I, I, I saw one before that Shannon retweeted, and it's like yeah. like four of them stacked on top of each other. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I think these things kind of come out as visual gags each time this happens, and I I don't think it'll look anything like that. Um, I expect it to look kind of like the PS4 does at the moment, um, probably a bit chunkier, uh, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that'll be the focus of the conference, kind of detailing that. Um, and we'll get prizes for all this sort of stuff, I'd imagine too. But I think um, I think uh, VR will also have a feature. I, I think there's still mm. a lot to show off for VR. We've not seen a huge amount of sort of first party stuff really kind of being played with the vr uh so uh yeah i expect that to not take the f- uh, like not sort of be in the spotlight too much um but certainly have a front seat i think yeah yeah seamus what do you think do you think we'll see something a wowie or or maybe just a little bit of details on everything that's been leaked so far you and you and imagine if they showed um gameplay <laughs> of the remaster of crash bandicoot <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that would be oh. insane. Uh, oh my god! Uh, see, I'm now so it's excited. not as going to be as good as I want it to be. Now, <laughs> um, is that possible? I doubt that. I really, I really doubt that. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible, but yeah, I'm. I doubt it. I doubt it. Well, the, I, title, the title of the meeting is called "The Future of PlayStation," and Crash is a part of their future. <laughs> part, yeah, past, present, and future. <laughs> Sorry, I um, just had to bring it up. Yeah, uh, I wish. I, well, I mean, it could it could certainly be an emphasis on games. Like, there's nothing to say that this will be a hardware kind of conference. That is just our assumption um, based on all the kind of leaks and stuff that's sort of been occurring over the past few months now. Um, so, you know, I I maybe expect to see something like the sort of upcoming Gran Turismo game kind of being shown off stuff we've not seen a huge amount of. Um, but uh, yeah, like I suspect it'll be more more sense around the hardware. What'll be interesting though is how they show the games on the hardware. Um, yeah. mm. Like, are we gonna see? Are we gonna see kind of comparisons between like a PS4 and the PS Neo? Are they gonna try and avoid that? Um, yeah, like I don't know if everything we'll see played on the big screen will be running on a PS4 or what. But uh, sorry, on a PS Neo, but. Um, yeah, man, I'm kind of like morbidly curious as to what happens. It could, it could either be amazing or it could either be an utter train wreck. I don't know if it's going to be anywhere in between. <laughs> so, mm, safest date, guys. This is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I, I think it, it would probably be a really good uh, chance for them to announce any like triple A titles for VR as well. Like, you know, if we're going to see a, a, a Destiny VR. Or are we going to see, I don't know, what other games are there on PlayStation? <laughs> yeah, well, there's like the you know X-Wing I mean? thing that EA are doing as well. Yeah, but like, we've but... seen little bits and pieces of these things, but... But they've all been like kind of, yeah, big big kind of names like Star Wars and stuff. But, yeah. you know, we're still kind of waiting for those like really big crossovers like Grand, Grand Theft Auto Five, but like VR. Like it does first person, so why not a VR experience? You know what yeah. I mean? Like. It, it might just be a good kind of way to, even if it's just a subtle hint in like some kind of montage or anything. Maybe like, maybe if the Neo is powerful enough, they might bring the uh, Fallout 4 support for VR over. I don't know, because mm. that's exclusive to the Vive at the moment, I believe. Um, but maybe if that has the power to support VR, maybe it'll allow certain games to be played in VR. I don't know. Um, that probably makes sense more I think about it, actually. Uh, but I'm curious as what you guys like think will think about like when exactly we will see these things uh, and what sort of prices you expect them to be. Um, you know, for instance, I think the Slim will kind of uh, have a release date announced within a couple of weeks of the event. Yeah. Like the amount of leaks we've seen from that suggests to me that they're well into manufacturing that um, 
So uh, I think those are almost ready to be shipped. Um, sure. but yeah, the Neo, like I, I don't know. There was some I've heard some kind of rumor and suggestions that we'll see the Neo kind of come out around the same sort of time as PSVR. I think they'll want to avoid that. I can see them maybe releasing it kind of the time of year they did the PS4 originally, um, which if I remember correctly, it was kind of like in February or something like that. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking like, yeah, maybe like February or March, we'll see the Neo uh, maybe kind of in an, somewhat of an attempt to compete with the NX. I don't know. Yeah. What do you guys think? When do you think we're going to see him and what sort of prices do you think there'll be? I reckon, I reckon you're... You're right in terms of the Neo, like timing wise. I reckon the like, early, early in the year kind of thing, February, March. Mm. Pricing wise, I think, I think it'll be pretty steep to be honest. I reckon we're going to see at least like, you know, probably a grand. Whoa. So eight hundred to a grand, I reckon. Whoa! Wow! Like yeah. Australian, Australian PS3 door. levels. Yeah. <laughs> so, like. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was more expensive than the PS4, but this is the Neo. Um, but I don't know if that much. Uh, my guess would probably be like 600 Australian, maybe. Nah, nah, maybe a little bit more. more. What's what's the PS4 retailing at the moment? Like, what? Uh, Well, you can get a PS4 for about 400 now, but at launch it was 550 um yeah. australian it was 400 us so yeah. i think i think like the ps neo will be like 500 us so maybe maybe closer to 700 for us australians yeah i yeah. reckon it will at least hit eight <laughs> at yeah. least hit eight it depends like it depends what the specs are like we, we don't even know what the specs are because if if it if it's rivaling like a 1500 computer like for instance then it's gonna cost fifteen hundred dollars. Like there's little way you can kind of avoid that. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's we we know so little about this really. Um, but it it's anyone's guess, I guess. But yeah, like I I can't see them releasing a console that's that expensive again. Like I think marginally higher than the PS4 at launch. So yeah, I'm gonna stick with kind of like six hundred, six fifty, something like that. Seamus, what do you think? Um, I think you and I think you're pretty close, especially with um the slim coming out. I reckon they will definitely like show it without a doubt. Like they just have to at at this point, and it will be coming out yeah. within a few weeks. If definitely before the end of this year, before Christmas and the holiday season, so people yeah. can go pick that up. Yeah. I really hope it looks better than what we've seen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because the design the, it the looks yeah. shocking. it looks shocking compared to the original design of the original PS4. The original PS4 is really nice. Like it's it's simple, but it's really good. And the slim is just like. Just because it's going to be cheaper doesn't mean it has to look worse. Like, um, it's it just uh, yeah, it doesn't look great. And but I definitely think it'll be announced and be come out before the end of this year. Definitely. Uh, in regards to Neo, I reckon we'll see it in some form. Whether it's something similar to what Microsoft did at um, E3 with Scorpio, they didn't really show it, did they? But they just announced the name and talked about mm. the potential it has. And I think that's sort of Sony's already sort of done that. But I don't know if they're ready to come out and say, oh, it's going to be out March next year. I, I would, that'd be cool, but I just don't, I don't think I see that happening. I don't see the, I don't see them releasing those two consoles that close again. Maybe, maybe Christmas next year, maybe they'll push it to compete with uh, Scorpio towards the end of next year. But I, I, I don't really, uh, obviously we don't know, um, but I, yeah. with the Slim, definitely before the end of this year, definitely. It just seems like a long time for an announcement to just kind of sit there. Like, I think after they've announced the console, like, what more can they really show, like, for a year? Like, it would have to go through E3 and stuff again if it was coming out sort of Christmas time. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of, like, see them doing the Slim for, like, a final Christmas push this year uh, with consumers knowing that there's going to be, like, another console out soon after. Um, so the people that want a PS4 can get like a cheap one. I expect the Slim to be like, uh, like maybe 200 US, 250 US, something like that. So kind of like confirm a price drop in Australia down to like 350, um, something like that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like I think that'll be sort of like one final push for the PS4 for, for Christmas. When I say one final push, I, terms, I guess in terms of like the emphasis on sales. Uh, and then like the Neo will be introduced kind of early next year um and have like allow it to have some sort of build up some sort of hype game announcements for it uh in the lead up to christmas that following year but 
you know, maybe it's a little optimistic of me for it to be saying it's going to be that close to release. Maybe, you know, maybe you're right, Shane, but sort of be later next year. Um, I did get the release of the PS4 wrong. So that was released in North America and Europe in November, and it was February in Japan. Um, so they are known to release consoles kind of right in the lead up to Christmas for mm. sure. And that's, yeah, it's a normal thing to do. And you mentioned like if they have to spend another year showing at E3 again, but that's what Microsoft are going to be doing with Scorpio. Like that's exactly what they're going to be doing. They've already announced it. They haven't really shown Scorpio's it. Scorpio's announcement. Yeah. Scorpio's announcement was very like, they didn't release much information about it at all. Though. They kind of gave like a kind of conceptual overview, I guess, mm. of what Scorpio is. But we still don't know what the kind of final specs of it are. We don't know that kind of thing. So maybe maybe they will handle the announcement just like that. It'll be kind of a tease. This is what it looks like. Um, this is our sort of vision for it. And maybe kind of E3 next year, we'll get like a bigger reveal with its detailed specs and price and stuff like that. Maybe. Maybe that's how we'll do it. Mm, I guess we'll just have to wait until next I'm clearly week. thinking this through. Like, <laughs> <laughs> last, uh, last question for you guys before you, we move on. Do you think in this meeting that we will find out whether PS4 Neo is the actual name or will we get a proper name for it? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, what is it going to be called? I uh, think I think uh, there will be a different name. I don't think it will be Neo because Neo is a very boring name, <laughs> personally. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they can go, like, PS4.5 or 4. It's going to be a letter, I think. I don't think you can get confusing with what, the numbers. Like PS4X. Or PS4 Yeah, like, it'd be... Yeah, something like that. Like, I don't know. I, I sometimes they call it like uh, like people have been talking about the PS4K. Obviously, that's a reference to the fact that it might be outputting in 4K visuals or just rumor. But I can certainly see them going down that line. Mm. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It, I not I'm not good with names. <laughs> I, I used to hate it at school when people were like, all right, come up with your group name. It's like ah. Uh, <laughs> Were you the classic yeah. no names? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a friend that always used to say, oh, our team name is the team that wanted to come up with a name but couldn't think of one, so just went with this instead or something like that. <laughs> um, really long-winded. Obviously, they can't oh, do that. That's so good. Well, if yeah. there's any of you guys listening who think you have the name that the PS4 Neo should be called, then please tweet us. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Um. But let's move into the next uh, next topic. So we've been talking about pricing and everything. And, you know, our next topic is game refunds. And there's been a bit of controversy surrounding the marketing and eventual release of No Man's Sky. Um, and the, the debate has been thrown around surrounding the refunding of the game back into the, uh, into the actual spotlight as well. So Sony's former strategy content director, Shahid Kamal Ahmed... Entered the debate tweeting. I did very well with that name. Uh, I've been using some, some difficult names to pronounce tonight. Yeah. Yeah, doing very well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Just call me Jake. I can say your name, Barros. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. If you're get, oh, this is what he said. Okay. If you're getting a refund after playing a game for 50 hours, you're a thief. Here's the good news. Most players are not thieves. Most players are decent, honest people without whose support there could be no industry. We're not talking about a consumer product in the factory sense. We're talking about a work of art. You can't just treat it like a widget. In 40 years of buying tens of thousands of pounds worth of games, to my knowledge, I have not once asked for my money back as a customer and a player before i was a developer i'd only have asked for my money back if the game was broken at boot time i have no dog in this race just my two p two, yeah he's british so all right two cents is two pence all right. <laughs> two pence two pence two cents <laughs> I'm like, 2P, is that like a one-up, but like you get two lives at the same time? <laughs> um, I've been a dev, a pub, and a founder for decades and a player for longer than all of that. Some very powerful words coming from a person in very high power there. Yeah. Um, guys, what do you think about this, uh, I guess, this controversy, you know, surrounding No Man's Skies and people demanding refunds? You know, do you think players should be entitled to refunds? And if they are, you know, under what kind of circumstances? Ewan, what do you um, think? Yeah, so I think this is uh, some really interesting input um, by uh, by this guy. Um, 
because uh, yeah, sorry, I'm not gonna <laughs> Shahid. I'm trying to find his name. Shahid Kamal Ahmad. I hadn't I hadn't heard of him, um, but I think this is a yeah very interesting sort of series of tweets that he put out. Um, and yes, yeah, very very strong language. I I think I think he is accurate in the fact that. Um, if you certainly if you've played you know a game for like 50 hours as he suggests hmm. uh that um that you shouldn't be entitled to a refund i mean these these are kind of works of art yes um but you know there are certainly some instances where i think people should be entitled to a refund certainly if the game is is broken um you know such as the case with uh arkham knight for instance where that game was just downright unplayable on some people's PCs um, from the get-go. Uh, if people kind of realize that immediately and decide um, that that's an issue and it's affecting their experience, then sure, I think they should be entitled to it. Uh, where it comes down to a matter of just simply not liking the game, um, having played a fair few hours of it, I don't know if that's entirely justified. Um, you know, for the instance here, obviously, with No Man's Sky, is the fact that people felt like, uh, it wasn't the product that was being advertised to them. Um, I think that's kind of a separate issue. Like uh, you're you're sort of given opportunity to, to research these things, um, and it's it's just kind of a complicated beast in terms of video games, especially with download codes and whatnot. Uh, if you're extracting value from that game, um, I I think there is yeah some obligation obligation to pay for it. Uh, but I think I think the problem with this is he does kind of oversimplify the matter. I think there are more elements to it um, that probably need to be discussed. Uh, so, like what? Well, as I as I kind of said, like uh, it kind of centers around this idea of um, you know, like how much kind of content are you supposed to get for paying sixty dollars for a game? But it's way too subjective. Like that's way too subjective a concept. Like you pay, you could easily pay twenty dollars to go and see a two-hour movie here in Australia, right? Um, yep. So, do we assume that like one hour of entertainment equals ten dollars? Like, is that is that right? Is that a fair assumption to make? I don't, I don't know if it is. Um, you know, some of my most like uh, my most incredible experiences with video games have been kind of short, like one hour, two hour indie titles that I've paid maybe 30, 40 Australian dollars for. Mm. Um, so, but there's like no, like I wouldn't dare ask for a refund or any of those. I'm like, oh, there's only like this game so short or there's no like gameplay mechanics or whatever. Like I, that seems totally, totally unfair to me. Um, I think like, yeah, like art is a subjective thing. Uh, people view it differently. Uh, and if you intend to, or if you purchase it uh, and then disagree with the kind of concept of the game, I don't know if you can or ought to be yeah, entitled to a refund. Um, I think it, yeah, like purely comes down to the fact that like, uh, like technical aspects of it. Like if you, if you've got a game and it simply won't run, uh, then then maybe we need to have a discussion there, but at the, at, and then but then it comes a question of like, oh well, we've got a patch coming out tomorrow. Like, are you sure you want to return it? Like, I, I don't know. It, it becomes becomes problematic. Um, I know, James. What do you, what do you think on this? Like, I I think you make a lot of really good points, and when it comes down, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I said, I'm tired. My brain's all, all scattered, but I'm trying to say something coherent now. <laughs> no, no, no. You make a lot of good points, particularly in the idea that you can't really put a price on something like like you're talking about a movie. It's just like, well, obviously, ten dollars doesn't transition into just one hour. Like it doesn't really work like that. But when it comes down to it, mm -hmm. a developer has made a game and they have to go. So how much? do we think this game is truly worth and not just what they think it should be, but what it really is based on the time and effort they put into it and the type of game it is um, and potentially how many hours of content there are. And that's where I think there's a problem with No Man's Sky. I think based on the content that's there in the game they've made, I think it's worth $40. I think that would be a pretty good, a reasonable amount of money for what that game really is. $80? Definitely sure. not. And, and that's that's one thing. But then it also comes down to not only what the developer or the publisher thinks the game is worth based on the time and effort put into it. It's also really important 
it's based a lot on when it comes down to the consumer, it's what's important to them and how much they're willing to pay for something that's really important to them or they're passionate about or they know they'll have a good time with. And like you and you may be happy to pay $30 to go see a really good movie of a particular genre, but I just won't because that's just not my genre or I'm just not willing to pay that much. So it it comes down to the consumer as well and how much they're willing to pay. But at the end of the day, in regards to whether people can get a refund, the f- the thing is we do reviews. There are multiple sites that do reviews. There is hundreds of YouTubers, if not thousands or millions, that put up YouTube videos. Like, if people can take the time to do research investigation and see if it is something that's worth their money rather than just jumping on the hype train, the, the, there are those opportunities. And if you ignore those opportunities and just buy it, I don't. and then you don't like what you've bought, then you don't really deserve a refund, particularly if you spent more than 20 especially 50 hours on the game like that's that's ridiculous and that's why i think steam's yeah. policy works so, pretty well like, with two hours yeah exactly like this is obviously arisen out of the fact that steam have said that they're going to allow people to refund it even if they've played over the two hour limit uh and i think yeah i think that becomes a problem because people are going into these games and playing them for a fair few hours trying to extract their value for money uh from the game uh only to discover that that's not gonna be able to happen and they decide they want a refund uh where i i think like i i don't like games being treated so much of as a commodity as that or as like a, a as a consumer product i guess um because there is like an artistic element behind it obviously um it's like but i mean this this kind of discussion surrounds entertainment the entertainment industry at large um you know obviously like piracy in the movie industry has been a major issue as it has been in music uh and now we have kind of like free music streaming software that is technically speaking legal but kind of short changes artists um so i think this is much like this is part of a much broader discussion i feel that needs to be had uh, in relation to paying for arts and paying for entertainment um and i think because it is so subjective and it is worth so much to one person and it simply isn't to another that there does need to be some kind of blanket rule um and i guess that's maybe what sort of upset me uh about this kind of exception that's been made for no man's sky um yeah like it just it, it just kind of sounds like a bit of a slippery slope to me i guess i'm sort of apprehensive as to how far this is going to go um mm. but jake you've obviously not had an option to wait and chance to weigh in yet <laughs> what, are you, what are you thinking on this no, I agree with you guys. And like, yeah, that's definitely the big question of like, well, if we do this for No Man's Sky, where does it end? Yeah, and it does kind of then go out to every kind of, yeah, entertainment medium out there. It's like, well, cool. If I go see a movie and I don't like it, can I go back to the desk and demand a refund? Mm. Like, it's it's the same kind of thing. So I my biggest thing with No Man's Sky, and I've said it like every time we've kind of brought it up is... You know, the game was marketed as a commercial game. And and that's where it really started to kind of play on people's expectations and perceptions for the yeah. game. And yeah. I think that's that's the really the only thing that gamers uh, are disappointed with. They're not disappointed with the game. They're disappointed with their perception and their expectations for it. Because at the end of the day, it's a good game. And if you put it back down to like an indie level and like, you know, like you were saying, Seamus, if it was a $40 game, a $40 indie game that you could buy that happened to be on the shelves at some of the biggest retail stores, then you would be happy with it. But the fact that it was marketed as something commercial, it had a commercial price on it, you know, that's kind of where people expected more for their money. Um You know, and they, they expected this game that did all this stuff where really it it wasn't it it was this impressive indie game that was made by a small team that had some really cool algorithms in it that had some really cool artwork and you know ideas for gameplay behind it and as as a large and broad audience that it was marketed to that was just a concept that a lot of people couldn't grasp um, and I think that's where the downfall is with this. I don't think people should just deserve a refund just because they didn't like this game. Um, you know, they kind of need to reevaluate kind of, you know, what what No Man's Sky is. It's not a triple A title. And, mm. and I think, you know, Sony should kind of take some responsibility 
in terms of of why people think they deserve a refund because they definitely did market it in a way that I don't think they should have marketed it in the first place. So, yeah. Hey, Adam, I'm getting on a roll here, but like that's the the tragedy of No Man's Sky. I feel like <laughs> I don't feel like this is so much the fault of of Hello Games, and no. ultimately there are the people that are kind of paying the price. Um, Sony kind of jumped all over this. They they kind of controlled and dominated the marketing. I don't know if they kind of specifically lied about certain things, but it certainly allowed us to believe certain things, um, mm. and that's where the sort of dangers arose. Um, but yeah, like. Hello Games are now kind of having to deal with that. They're kind of dealing with all the negative fallout, um, and those those refunds will will mean they're getting short change too. So, yeah, like it's just it's a complicated issue, but um, it doesn't sit sit too well with me. I, I I think that yeah, refunds like should purely be about sort of a technical perspective, not an artistic perspective. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Let's quickly move into the next topic before we head into uh, what the wiki, because we don't really talk about esports a lot here on the podcast, but we do have some really cool news. So there is going to be some televised esports coming up. SBS have revealed that they will be broadcasting the Australian Esports Championship Qualifiers Grand Final on SBS2 on Friday, September 2nd at 9.30 p.m. This is a free-to-air television first in Australia and marks yet another significant milestone in the local esports scene. The event will uh, will see Australia's top two Counter-Stripe global offensive teams, uh, SYF Gaming and Atletico, battle it out for a spot in October's 2016 World Championships in Jakarta, Indonesia. The World Championships will see Australia compete against 35 other the title over three days last year's grand final in seoul south korea attracted forty thousand spectators in a stadium sellout seamus how important do you reckon uh this is for esports in australia i think this is really really important I, like you said this is another really big step and i'm kind of really happy to be at this point in the games industry where we're starting to see esports grow because i know in like 15 20 years it will just be so much bigger it will just be household names that not just in the gaming industry will know about but it will just be in popular culture so much more so i think it's really interesting mm. being able to watch it grow and happen right now i i i that's really cool but yeah i think it's a really big step because we've seen some uh like foxtel and more cable channels picking up but never free to air and when i saw this article that shan pulled up on Prestar, i was like whoa that's huge and the important thing was that i'm not even necessarily a big esports fan and i'm definitely not a big counter-strike esports fan but because it's on sbs too it's on at a good time and it's free I'm going to watch it because I'm interested in seeing uh-huh, what it's yeah. all about because it's, it's really convenient, easy. And in other cases, I'm like, my friends might be like, oh, you go go to Twitch or go to this website. And I'm like, I'm not that interested. But because it's just there on my TV, I'm, I'm actually really keen to mm. see what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, with that, Ewan, do you think that esports will ever become mainstream? Do you reckon we'll see it, you know, on Channel 9, on Channel 10, in a, in a prime time slot? Um... Uh, yeah, one day I think it will. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, but it's kind of my dream that one day, like video games, will sort of be recognised as a mainstream uh, sort of entertainment form, like up there with movies and music and TV. Uh, I think you know by the day it is beginning becoming more and more pop, uh, more mainstream. Like we saw that with Pokemon Go, for instance. Um, so I think you know definitely one day we will see esports up there, sort of in between AFL games or whatever on on mm. on a uh, on terrestrial channels um but like like anything it's going to take time it's going to take time for people to kind of uh grow accustomed to it i guess more so than anything else cuz it still is kind of a novelty i feel to most people um certainly to me kind of i'm not sort of hugely entrenched within the uh the esports scene um but uh yeah like i find myself by the day growing more and more interested in it uh and the sort of culture that surrounds it uh and so i expect the general public will gradually but eventually do the same uh so yeah i'm super excited for this being on sbs uh i think sbs makes a makes it makes a lot of sense for that channel to be hosting it um and it also makes a lot of sense that it's counter-strike as well like it's a 
relatively uncomplicated game. It's one you can kind of watch and see kind of skill being shown off without necessarily understanding the ins and outs of the mechanics. Um, so I expect this to do quite well and, and uh, a fair few people to watch it on, uh, on Friday, September 2nd at 9.30 p.m. Love it. Love the plug. Yeah, I think it would I think it'd be really cool to one. I think it will definitely like one day like we see esports, you know, like you said, alongside other other big uh, events like, you know, FL and Arala or whatnot. But yeah, how quickly that will be, who knows? I guess we'll see. Um, but you guys definitely stay tuned uh, for more, I guess esports news on press start uh we've mm-hmm. just recently uh, introduced san to the team who is a uh, big and uh, knowledgeable about esports so hopefully that means here on press start we have a lot more news surrounding the esports uh kind of a scenario what do you call it the culture um which the, scene, kinda, the esports yeah, the scene, scene. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not cool enough that's why i needed your hip young young lingo in there you know? <laughs> Um, uh, I'm young, but I'm certainly not hip. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a I'll say the word a scene that I want to um, <laughs> kind of learn more about. So everyone, stay tuned to our website. Hopefully, we've got some more esports news coming up. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous of their ability too. I wish I was, you know, a professional uh, video game player. Yeah, <laughs> it would be know. pretty cool. Just fingers <laughs> wailing on a controller, like the the ways they hold it, and like bloody coordinate i would not be able to handle it i think i'm a pretty good gamer now but put me up on one of the like between one of those guys and like i'd be like oh god i'm quitting games for life mm-hmm. i know um, feels so, speaking <laughs> of playing games why don't we play what the wiki to round out this episode sure so uh i've got uh, i've got the games ready i've got that all noted down uh what the wiki don't forget is the quiz show where uh we read part of a wikipedia page for an unknown game and the contestants must guess the game those of you listening can obviously play along too uh so guys if you're ready i have the first game let's do yep. it yep ready uh the game is a platforming beat-em-up video game developed by SCE Japan Studio and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for the PS4 video game console. The game was released in November 2013 and in Japan in February 2014. Shameless. Where it was available as a bundle uh, with the console. Shameless. Knack. It is Knack. I was like waiting for that little bit to be like, oh, what did it come out? Ah, Jake. No. <laughs> um, I'm rooting for Jake to get a point here, but bravo, Seamus. Um, I did want to read the next little bit where it says, Game creator Mark Sony describes the gameplay as a little bit like Crash Bandicoot, a little bit like Katamari Damacy, and with a touch of God of War in there. Um, Katamari Damacy? Did I say that right? Um, I think so. But I thought, like, <laughs> Knack with a touch of God of War. <laughs> <laughs> an interesting description Mm. uh all right game number two or three oh jake okay game number game number two already yeah (laughs) sorry seamus you're good i'm definitely rigging this uh all right Mm. see when i picked these games i wasn't i wasn't thinking of jake in mind but hopefully you'll get this one jake oh god the game is a first person shooter video game developed by 3d realms and published by gt interactive software the shareware version of the game was originally released on January 29, 1996, with the full version released on April 19, 1996, as version 1.3D. The game features the adventures of the titular macho ca- character, uh, voiced by John St. John, who fights against oh, an evil Seamus. alien invasion on Earth. Seamus? Duke Nukem? Uh, can you elaborate? Uh, 3D? Bit? Yes. <laughs> I had no Bravo, idea. I had no idea. You had like, no what? idea. If I had knack, it would have gone to another one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, of course, uh, Duke Nukem 3D, which was uh, one of my sort of introductory games, as it was for most people, oh, to wow. the genre of first-person shooters. Nice. The, the, um, only, the only reason I got it, because I was sort of, I wasn't really too sure on, uh, until you said the voice actor, John St. John, because he came to Avcon was it not last year the year before and then that's where Uh, i learned that he's voice actor of duke nukem i was like oh there you go yeah yeah Yeah. he's he's done a few roles um (laughs) Mm. but yeah duke nukem is obviously is uh most famous 
Um, I thought it was really, really cool that uh, the sort of final version of the game was released as version 1.3D. <laughs> I thought that was really neat. Um, but uh, yeah, oh, man, um, that was uh, Duke Nukem was in the, the news again uh, in the past week because uh, there's rumors of them potentially doing a remake. Um, and I thought we decided that Duke Nukem remakes are a bad idea, <laughs> but apparently people still think it might be an all right idea. Um, but yeah, Duke Nukem 3D. Did you guys play much Duke Nukem 3D at all? Nope. No, nope. N- not really, oh, no. I used to boot up my uh, <laughs> Windows 97 PC in DOS mode. And it was like, you know, 1996 was my birth year. So I was uh, definitely stepping back into the record books, I guess, to play that. Damn, uh, you're young, Ewan. <laughs> Sorry? Damn, you're young. Yeah, yeah. I, I said I was Damn. young, just not uh... hip. <laughs> all right. Well, bravo, Seamus. Uh, that's a point for you on, on What the Wiki. How Ooh. many points does that take you to now? Do you I, know? I think two. I think two. Two. I'm yeah. just double checking my score checker. I'm just gonna find that. I'm gonna like, catch up the Shannon. I'm gonna get you, Shannon. Just give me time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shannon's not been on in a wee while, so you definitely have to catch him. Yeah, so Seamus, that puts you on two. So you are, e- yeah, equal second with Fergus, Medi, Matt, and Kevin. So there's a few people catching up on, nice. on Shannon. Shannon, be well, be warned. <laughs> He's coming for you. Everyone's coming for you. Yeah. And I'll um I'll remain everyone's favorite underdog until I take the lead. So <laughs> that would be great. Just one fell swoop in the final episodes <laughs> leading up. Just clean yeah, sweep. Yeah. I like You'll it. You'll see me episode 96, 7, 98, and 99 before 100. I'll just come in for the win. <laughs> That'll be great. Well, you're going to have to score some points in the meantime because it's, uh, it's a fair few episodes away, Jake. <laughs> Yeah, true. Oh, God, I didn't think about that. <laughs> anyway, okay, with that, let's bring an end to what was episode 67 of the Starcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and any other podcast service of your choice. Be sure to also follow us Press Start on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube at Press Start AU, as well as visiting the site at pressstart.com.au. AU. Remember to send us your topics, either tweeting myself or Ewan, and obviously our Press Start accounts. I've been your host, Jake Barros. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Jake Barros, B-A-R-R-O-S. And joining us today was Ewan. Thanks for having me. Sorry that I was a little all over the place today, but that is what the busy lifestyle does <laughs> to you uh, that I lead. Um, but yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at UNTRoxborough, and we will catch you guys next week. Looking forward to it. And we were joined by Seamus. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on again. I always enjoy it. You can find me on Twitter at Seamus Mullins all together. Yeah, looking forward to the next one. Awesome. I am also looking forward to the next one. Sorry that she couldn't be here, by the way. She Mm. got called away onto other business and, uh, just before we had to record. Shame. uh, (laughs) (laughs) She was very very popular on the last episode. So, uh, yeah, disappointing that she could be back today. But we'll have her on again in the future, I'm sure. But I just wanted to pass on the fact that she was sorry that she couldn't be here. I like that little hook you in. Will Camilla be on the next episode? (laughs) Who knows? Shoot him next time. (laughs) Will there be a next episode? Will we survive the next week? Who knows? (laughs) That's... Well, that's really dull. And on that (laughs) note, see you next time. (laughs) Happy gaming. See you guys.